You're listening to B2B Nation, a podcast from Technology Advice designed to help marketers navigate the modern B2B buyer's journey. Here's your host, Mike Pastor. Organic marketing is one of what we can broadly describe as pull strategies, one that brings in customers looking to solve problems where your company has a solution. It stands in contrast to strategies that have you buying leads or paid strategies. What do marketers that swear by organic strategies love about it? So I really think um, the rise of organic marketing has been um, has been really huge. It's forcing marketers to understand their customers better and to get in their shoes in order to truly build uh, that quality content that they're consuming um, and to come to the website. So I just think anything that brings a marketer closer to their customer, closer to understanding that customer and what questions they're asking and their needs is, is always good. So, um, and also we, you know, it's super cheap and it's uh, really effective. That's Vicki Frost, Global Director of Content and Campaigns at Vertiv. In this episode of B2B Nation, we're talking to Vicki about organic marketing in the B2B space, content development, the role of analytics, and of course, the age-old question about whether you should be gating your content. I'm Mike Pastor from Technology Advice. Welcome to B2B Nation. Vicki Frost, welcome to B2B Nation. Why don't you take a minute and tell us who you are and what you do? Sure. My name is Vicki Frost. I work for Vertiv, and I am the Global Director of Content and Campaigns. All right. Content is a topic that's near and dear to my heart. I've been creating content. Uh, I got my first check for content creation a little over 30 years ago. And a lot has changed about the way content is created and used in B2B marketing over the past 15 years or so in particular. Mm. So what do you think is the biggest, most positive change in this space over that time? So I really think the rise of organic marketing has been, been really huge. It's forcing marketers to understand their customers better and to get in their shoes in order to truly build uh, that quality content that they're consuming and to come to the website. So I just think anything that brings a marketer closer to their customer, closer to understanding that customer and what questions they're asking and their needs is, is always good. So, and also we, you know, it's super cheap and it's uh, really effective. So I think those, are, that is my favorite thing. All right. What would you say are some of the common mistakes that marketing organizations are making uh, with their content? You know, some of the mistakes I see, I go, gosh, people have been making this mistake for like 15 years. They're still not getting it. What are those things? Yes. Um, it was really funny. I was actually on a webinar the other day and someone put up a slide that said behind every great mistake is a, is a request from an executive. And I'm like, well, that's a, that's probably really true. A lot of times we are reactive instead of being proactive Someone wants to sponsor a race car and we're like, sure, uh, instead of pushing back and saying, you know, for the money that you took to sponsor that race car, I could do this and I'm going to get this kind of return. So that's that's a big mistake. It's, but of course, you know, it's, it's difficult. Uh, a lot of times you have to do those things. Having the data to back up what you want to do um, and trying to be proactive as well as reactive is very important. But then the second biggest mistake, I think, is in not having that plan when you start. And we had a campaign a few uh, years ago that someone got an idea that they thought was really funny and it was going to go viral and it was going to be great. And then we sat down and we started talking about it and we realized there really wasn't a target audience for it. Like none of our target audience was going to be affected by this. So really having that plan starting from the beginning, saying what is the reason we're doing this? 
where are we going to take the audience and what do we want them to do once they get there? And is that going to be profitable to us? Those are all questions that need to be asked before we try to make, you know, a viral video. I think those are probably the biggest mistakes I see. So what types of content, either formats or topics, do you see having the most impact on your marketing these days? You know, I was asked this the other day, can you rate your format? Can you do an ROI on your format? And it's difficult. We're going to try to do it. I think a lot of the new tools that you have today allow you to do it better. But I would say probably you need to have that tool. So if you swear by video, which I think is a little expensive and maybe does not get us the ROI that we should have, but if you think it does and you have tools and data to back that up, then use more video. If you swear by white papers and you have the data to back up, you're getting more leads, profitable leads from white papers, that's great. But overall, I think it's, it's a variety. You're going to have someone that has five minutes or even a minute, and then you're going to have someone that has a half hour to an hour. So the half hour to an hour person probably wants the white paper. They're probably deeper into the funnel. They want more information. And the one minute to five minute person probably isn't really sure who you are and they're just checking you out. So you kind of need the broad spectrum of, of formats, but you need the data to back up that they're effective. Is there a format for content that could just disappear tomorrow and you wouldn't mind, or you think maybe B2B buyers wouldn't mind either? Yeah, I, I mean, I was going to name one in particular, but I'm afraid I'm going to offend some people. So I would say, <laughs> <laughs> I would say, let's put it this way, unsolicited emails where you're not sure who you're talking to could go away. So I have a problem with bombing people with emails not understanding who your target is, not understanding what they want to hear from you. That is, is it ruins it for all of us, right? Because the ones of us who are trying to segment, trying to get the right information to the right people, they're, we're all going to junk because now they think everybody should go to junk. So really just thinking, it's, I cannot think of a good time or a good reason to bomb your entire database, which could be anywhere, I don't know how big, a thousand to a million or two million people with a single email. There's just no, there's no reason to do that. So before you do that, or even bomb a great majority of them, think about who they are. What do they wanna hear? And also what's their perspective? Instead of saying, we just launched a new product, how about this product is gonna save you this much time? This product in your industry, Mr. Banker, is gonna add more security. Wanna hear why? instead of thinking more about ourselves and bombing our bombing our database. That's probably, that's, that's what I'm going to go with. For all the talk that we have about data and how much data has come to play a huge role in B2B marketing, the, there's still a lot of people who aren't using it. You're talking like yes. segmentation you talked about and everyone talks about AVM, but there's still people out there with the blasted to everybody. I think uh, the question uh, that probably was, devised the day after the first piece of B2B content was published on the internet to gate or not to gate? Not Where to do gate. you stand? I have a rule of thumb. We actually are working on a global gating strategy right now. We have most of it worked out, but of course we have to get buy-in from everybody. But I'm a little less of a gator. We do work with some big research houses and we do we pay them a lot of money to do research for us on segments of our business um, and our, you know, a lot of our customers don't have the money to do that research, but they're benefiting from it. So I would like to get your email for that. If I'm giving you $100,000 worth of research that's going to benefit you, I would love to get your email because I'm proving the value that I can give to you there and in other ways. 
so that is is one place that I'm very firm on. You know, if this is something they can't get anywhere else, information they can't get anywhere else, you know, I want to get an email for that. Some of our larger white papers and, and things where we spend a lot of time on that I feel, again, it's hard to get that information anywhere else in the industry and really proves our value. I would like to get your email for that. But as a company, we're probably going to be a little bit uh, more asking for the email on probably almost all white papers and longer pieces that are customer oriented and that solve their problems. Out of that, outside of that, I am not a fan of gating brochures or manuals or anything that is, you know, fairly anything that your customer needs for customer service. If they need your brochure, they need your manual. You shouldn't ask them for an email. And then uh, anything that's just of interest, like educational, that would help them progress down the funnel, like a case study. I just don't think you should ask for their email for that. I really think you need to be really discerning and offer a lot of free education to your customers but there are times yes when you put a lot of time and effort into it and, and it's worth it to ask for an email yeah there's this idea out there i've heard it called the poll strategy it's sort of inbound with a little paid media maybe not a little a lot of paid media that is get it out there get your name out there smart people talking about the things they know and people will know who you are yes and it seems like it's pretty effective for some people <sighs> But when your goals are still MQLs or leads mm -hmm. or downloads, and it makes you reinvent a whole bunch of stuff. Yes. I'm not an all or nothing person. I think you really have to think <laughs> about it. Now, it's not one size fits all. It just isn't. Yeah. I think your point on the research paper is spot on because nobody gives that stuff away. You can't go to the research yeah. firm and get it for free. Yeah. Um, right. And, and if you're going to do the work and the legwork and put it together, you don't want to give it away for free either. Question that we asked just about everybody on B2B Nation. What is your favorite tool? What's that thing you cannot work without? And our rule is don't see your phone unless you're citing a specific app because none yeah. of us can live without our phone. None of us can live without our phone. That's so true. I, I'm a convert to working in tools now. So when we first did the everybody get out of their email, I was like, how am I going to do that? But luckily we've got a few good tools and we're collaborating in them and they really work for everyone. So everyone's, you know, one of the ones that has really surprised me was Microsoft Teams. I did not want to switch to another platform, but I really love working in Teams. I love the fact that it connects to SharePoint. We have all our files there. Everybody can access the files. Everybody can update the files. I'm a big fan. We switched to Smartsheet. I'm a big fan. It's great for organizing your work. It's great for process management. And I'm a big fan of Rike, which is one of our, our creative team uses Rike. So anywhere we can be collaborative, we can work together. There's no emails running around saying, hey, where's the latest version? Hey, it's this one. No, it's this. We just had someone which had a different process from us. They're on a different team. And we were on version four and they sent the final version and called it version one. And we're like, wait a minute, you just, you sent back version one. Now we're all confused. Oh. But they, but their practice was when it's final, you call it one again. And we're like, oh, okay. We didn't know that. <laughs> so if we had been working together in collaborative software, we could have seen the versions and understood it. But of course we weren't. So it's just little things like that. And the other thing, which isn't really a tool, but it's a benefit of those tools, is I have started learning about, and you're going to see stuff about this everywhere. So you can just Google it. But I've become a fan of this deep work uh, trend that's going on 
So I, again, didn't think this was a good idea. I don't like blocking out times on my calendar and I do it and then I get people upset. And so I stopped blocking out times on my calendar. I don't do that anymore, but I don't have my email open all the time. So I will, instead of blocking out times on my calendar, I just work without checking my email and, and I'll say, okay, I'm going to work till 10 a.m. I'm going to work till two, whatever the time is. And then I check my email. And so in that time, I'm working within those collaborative tools. I'm working within Smartsheet. I'm working within Reich, working within Teams, or I'm working on a project and getting that work done without getting the emails bombarding me and saying, oh, I got to answer this real quick. And I don't have Teams on. I put on Do Not Disturb. You know, there are times you can't do that. But I do think it's helped me get more work done and get it more done, done better, get it done better. So you don't have to redo it or you make mistakes. So, so I've become a fan of that. Yeah, it is an app driven world. And you just listed several that are familiar to everyone or if not them, one of their competitors, <laughs> you've got one installed wherever you are. And there are so many great SEO tools out there. I can't list them all, but um, <laughs> I, you know, I won't even try, but if you're not working in an SEO tool, that's, you really should be. Get yourself a good SEO tool that you think is working for you and giving you results and make sure everybody is optimizing for SEO. And Grammarly, oh goodness, get Grammarly, mm. please. That's the poor copy editors. If people would have just used Grammarly, they would you know, have half the work because all those misspellings <laughs> would have been caught. So get Grammarly, at least the free version. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I'm still doing the block or block the calendar off. You are. Um, it has become my, I have to get this done by this date and time. I'm going to block it on my calendar. And if I don't get to it before that block, I will do it in that block. That's how I've been using yep. it. And yep. as far as email and Slack, what I found is if there is something I have to do off hours, evening, a weekend or whatever, my thing has been, I'm not going to open email or slack because that's probably why i didn't get it done during the week to begin with. yes <laughs> oh that's a good that's good advice that is really i i need to do that yeah my email comes up automatically when i boot up my computer so i have to i'll i'll have to stop that that's a good idea <laughs> find that sitting and then of course because we all have the phone in our pocket our email follows mm -hmm. us everywhere we go yes right. well i do put the notifications off or not the notifications i put it on you know do not disturb the red the sound off during mm -hmm. the weekend. And then I just check it every so often instead of constantly, you know, I was at my kid's soccer game, like answering emails. I'm like, this has to stop. You know, this is silly. Let's. I think everybody has that, that point right, where they go, <laughs> what am I doing? Why yeah. am I doing this here? Why am I answering email on a Saturday? The person I'm writing to isn't working. <laughs> yes. And I just drove 45 minutes to this game. Why don't I watch the game? You know, like. <laughs> Take advantage of it. The, the worst, uh, the worst I hate is uh, you, you take a random day off or something, but my phone connects to the Bluetooth in the car and it keeps dinging the work emails and it's oh. like I turn that Bluetooth off right away. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's good advice. That's really true. That's really true. There's one question we asked that I didn't get a chance to ask you, but I think we have time if you want to think about an sure. answer. Sure. That is. Um, if we were, it's kind of our look ahead question. If we were having this conversation one year from now around content and marketing, what do you think we'd be talking about? In my space, so we're in the IT space, Vertiv actually builds the infrastructure for data centers. So no, we don't do the servers and all that, but it needs to have power. It needs to have cooling and that's what we build. So we're basically in that same space, the technology space. And 
it's extremely crowded as I'm sure you know there's a just it's very hard to break through so I think it's getting more and more expensive to try to break through and I am definitely not giving up my AdWords I'm not giving up my LinkedIn I am not giving up my paid media but I am going to work more on my SEO I'm going to work more on SEO optimization I'm going to work more on getting um, recognized for what people are querying being at the top because I think that's going to be a key to breaking through with all the guys. It seems like there's a new software as a service every day. Probably a hundred. There's probably a hundred new software as a service every day and they're all trying to reach my customers. So I need to make sure that I'm where my customers are looking for my product and, and the best way to do that is to optimize. So, so in a year from now, I'm going to be an SEO guru. You're going to see me number one everywhere, wherever you query any of my products, it's going to be crazy. Um, and I'm probably going to continue to talk about good, valuable content that really answers your customers' problems because that's never going to go away. All right, spring of 2023, we'll be booking an episode with Vicki Frost, SEO expert. Yes, you should expert, pencil it in because that will right? make me do it, right? It <laughs> there you go. Do- it's kind of like, it's like blocking the stuff off on your calendar. Exactly. Um, <laughs> very true, very true. Uh, if you haven't already, you'll be looking at SEMrush, which is probably yes. the app that has been mentioned most in our, what's your favorite tool question that we ask. Yes, I was not going to, because I have a lot of different tools, but I have to say we are going, uh, we have started working with SEMrush and I like it so far. So we'll see where that goes. All right. Vicki Frost, thanks for appearing on B2B Nation. Uh, Well, thank you so much. This is a lot of fun. Thanks to Vicki Frost from Vertiv for joining us on this episode of B2B Nation. Thanks also to the technology advice team, Amy Dunn and KJ Pace. If you found this episode interesting or insightful, you can follow B2B Nation wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, or SoundCloud. Mnemonics in the Guild wrote our theme song. We'll catch you next time on B2B Nation. 